Welcome back to the Simplicity Diaries with me, Kim John Payne. This week, there seems really um, an obvious call to be talking about um, events around the world to do uh, with this um, coronavirus that's that is causing us as parents uh, to really pause and. Um, Things are changing now and they'll be changing, looks likely, more and more over the coming weeks and maybe even uh, months ahead. The, um, today, what I wanted to talk about is, is preparing kids for this. I mean, they're seeing it in the news, obviously. Uh, they're hearing about it. And there's two aspects uh, to this. Um, and I wanted to talk about these two aspects of preparation um, in this podcast and then be able to talk more in, in a coming uh, series with um, the whole question of, so how do we handle more and more and more time at home with our kids? Because for many of us, that looks likely that that's going to be coming up with school closings. Now, handling that time at home with our kids and having them uh, also be able to handle it uh, is going to take a little uh, preparation. Right now, there's the, the school closings are starting. By the time you listen to this podcast, there might be more uh, schools closed. And the predictions are that that's going to be happening quite a bit. So... Preparing kids for this is is going to be very important. Now, one aspect of preparing um, our, our children for this is on the emotional side, the psychological side. There's been good information circulating around that. Um, from simplicity parenting, uh, from this kind of lens, uh, there's a few things that, that can be done uh, um, in preparing them for this. And one is to um, assure our children that good people are working on this, that doctors and nurses and lots of people who work in hospitals and clinics are, are you know, working very, very hard on this and that they, um, they know what they're doing, they are trained in, in this, and that... Um, that they're they're get, they're getting ready and they they're taking good care of anyone who gets sick. That the, that's what these people do, and they do it so well. And for for younger children in particular, who might be picking up on this, um, it's it's an important piece to let them know, uh, to give them you know o- honest evaluation of the situation to say yeah there is a flu at the moment and oh gosh it does make us feel awful when we get the flu we get and even a little bit of information about their bodies you know we get a cough and oh all our legs get get um achy and maybe even a headache and we just um and and let them know that You've had that before, that that because most people have had a flu, and to say, you know, oh yeah, mummy has had a flu before, and if it's an older kid, you might say, yeah, and you've you've had the flu before too, and um, we get the right treatment, we take good 
care of ourselves and we come through. Now, they'll hear that, of course, that um, some people have died. And um, to say to them, yep, that's that's quite right. People die um, of all different kinds of things. And it, it really does depend on the age of the child, how you pitch this. But, yep, that's actually true, love. But um, at the moment, the people who get really sick um, with this is, is not not young people like you you are pretty sure to that if you even if you did get a little bit of a flu you would get over it pretty quickly and you'd be fine after that um and that we'll we'll make sure that even if one of us does get the flu we we go and see those good and kind people and they will make sure that we'll be okay and to give that kind of information i don't think it's fudging the truth because of the way this um, virus is affecting certain age groups and um, to give them that message i think is important some people i've been speaking to and i've been speaking to a lot of parents who have been calling in um, this and this week and last week about how to speak to their kids the question has come up about um, older people because some kids are getting the information that this is really affecting um, old older folk, and the question comes up: Is is grandma is grandpa going to die? And um, that's sort of a, that that question is classic question, particularly uh, for a child between about the age of sort of five, six, up until about eight, nine, ten. That question will come up a lot. It will come up with maybe with younger ones, but that's unlikely. But certainly older ones might pose that question, but in a more um, informed way. Those kids in the middle age group, five, six, seven, eight, nine, they have a they have a strong sense, particularly around eight, nine, they have a strong sense of mortality that starts now, they start becoming aware that, that people, you know, die and that, um, that life has a cycle. And to be able to say to them, you know, Nana and Grandpa are being very careful. They are at uh, home. They they are careful of who they're seeing. Uh, they're taking, doing all the things that that the people who know about this stuff are telling them to do. And if they do that, then they uh, the chances of them being very very safe are pretty good. I think that that they're doing everything right. And to be able to, um, and some kids may even ask what that is, and you can, you know, give them the protocols that we're all hearing so much about. But to really um, let them know that Nana and Grandpa are being smart, that they've really got all the information they need, and that they're taking good care of themselves, and that they have people around them who are also uh, um, uh, know what they're doing. And even if they were to get sick, they they have people who will help them stay well. That's not denying the danger of this, but it's giving the children actually the truth. All all of that uh, will um, be true. The other aspect of talking to, to children um, or being with children um, with in this um, crisis, really, 
is not so much to do with them, but to do with ourselves. Um, one of the things that some parents have been saying to me is that they're limiting their um, their uh, exposure, their own exposure as adults to the news media to one or two times a day. And I've um, been really impressed with parents who have got onto this because the way in which the brain works is that if we hear a newscast telling us something uh, a little bit scary or, or quite scary, the brain will, uh, of course, as we know, excrete a hormone, uh, hormones, a cocktail that largely, um, uh, largely sort of fire our fight or flight, freeze, or I would add flock to that. Um, the amygdala response, that primal, ancient survival brain. And as parents, I think it's even more um, likely that causes us anxiety because we're protecting our kids, you know, and, and so our instinct to provide, protect is very strong as a parent very strong. So we're easily triggered into anxiety. That that cocktail, that hormonal cocktail that gets released when we hear a report um, is much more e- easily released. The fact is, though, if we hear almost an identical report half an hour later on this sort of slightly breathless news, uh, you know, a way of reading the news, that hormone will release again even though it's the same report. And then we'll hear it again half an hour later. It may have changed just a little bit to capture our attention, and it happens over and over. And we um, soon start, our anxiety levels start to rise and rise and rise. And our um, kids, particularly when they're hearing um, this kind of news around them, you know, even though we might not be exposing them to that, we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, but um, they are going to pick up on it and they need us to be able to co-regulate. They need us to be able to um, be as calm and as centered as we possibly can be. Um, it was in uh, a, a lecture that I was giving years ago uh, out on the West Coast in the United States where I worked with a gentleman called Joseph Chilton Pierce. And I've mentioned this analogy once before in one of the earlier, much earlier podcasts where he said something quite striking. He said that if you take a cell out of a live heart and put it in a certain solution and look at it under a microscope, the heart cell will keep beating at the same pace, but sooner or later will start to fibrillate and then expire. However, if you take a cell from a completely different heart and place it proximal, you know, nearby, that fibrillating, that expiring heart cell, the fibrillating cell will actually recover and start beating again, and the two will beat in unison. That was really a beautiful, not just metaphor, but, um, but uh, reality, 
that so explained for me co-regulation that when our children are nervous and a little anxious and what's going on and our school is closed and life has shifted and changed, can we as much as possible come alongside them with a steady beating heart, with a steady beating presence so that they can then co-regulate with us and have their hearts, their emotions, their sense of security and safety increased uh, and um, and that feeling of, of of okay, this is a bit weird, but all all it's okay, all is well. I'm going to be fine. We're going to get through this, so that they don't go into uh, fight or flight themselves. What's really important about this? And I was mentioning this uh, just yesterday to one of the many interviews I've been doing. My phone has been ringing quite a lot lately with requests for um, interviews from various magazines and newspapers about this very subject, is that one of the points I I think is crucial and perhaps one of the major points of, of this podcast is that if we can secure our children in this way and stay as regulated as we can, then their behavior while they're at home, will be much easier to guide. They won't be on an adrenaline, cortisol-fueled, anxiety-driven behavioral bend. They won't be pushing back against us. They won't be refusing to do stuff. They won't... Because we're going to be spending a lot of time with them. Chances are, for many of us, we're going to be spending a lot of time with our kids coming up. And if we're going to be spending that amount of time with them, uh, we can use that time to co-regulate. We can even go one step further and the silver lining in this tragedy, and let's not forget it's such a tragedy for the people who have, have died as a result of this, of course. But the silver lining in it is that it offers us a chance to really connect on a deeper way with our children. It offers us this this chance to move in close, to regulate our own emotions, to really um, dial back the amount of screens that and the amount of uh, radio that we're listening to about this. Of course, we've got to stay informed. But once or twice a day, that's kind of it. And this offers us a chance to get closer to our children, to connect with them. And in that way, you know, we're, we're really um, able to come out of this when it passes, as indeed it will. When it passes, we'll come out of it just like in a, in a way, and I was describing this to one of the people who, who um, I was doing this interview with, is that when you've been sick and when you have a fever, um, when a child has a fever, very often they you know they'll, they'll be they'll fight off the fever and gosh it's it's hard but they'll come out of the fever on the other side almost like having grown developed 6 to 12 months they are much stronger now i don't mean i don't mean to relate that to the coronavirus and the fever for children i mean that as a metaphor that when when something hard has happened but it's been well handled one can come out of it stronger 
And what I'm suggesting is that this very difficult time, just like a fever is difficult, this very difficult time that we're in right now, if we move in close to our children, connect with them, uh, be able to be with them, and, and use this time to deepen that connection, when in the coming weeks and months this begins to fade um, and, and life resumes as normal, we may well have a much deeper connection with our, with our child. One parent said to me um, that in terms of their own emotional regulation, that they're trying uh, not only very hard to have um, less radio, less TV, they want to stay informed, but she was very practical about it. She actually said she is getting her news, of course, away from the children, but in the morning. And she's avoiding... Uh, any newscasts or anything uh, remotely to do with um, media uh, in the run-up to her own bedtime. And she also said she's increasing the, the amount of, of, uh, of what she's doing that feeds her, that gives her a feeling of, of groundedness. Now, for this, for this young mum, it was exercising, working out, and doing yoga at, at home. All of this was happening at home because her school had already closed. And she was using the time she was spending at home to actually be able to do the things that calm and center her more. I've mentioned this to um, a, number of, a number of parents over the last week or two. And some of them have said other things like, yep, I've got more time at home, so... I'm going to get that pantry sorted out. I'm going to sort out the cupboards. I'm going to sort out the basement. That was one mum's. I'm going to do uh, a simplification of the house. I've been meaning to do this. Well, actually, she said I, I did it some time ago, and now I need to do it again, as we know. You know, it all um, sort of creeps up on us. But she was going to use this as as a way to um, do, a, do a simplification regime. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, another um, dad, he talked about um, just doing more reading, that he loved to read, and he was going to be doing that. He was going to be doing more reading out loud with his children and had that already planned. Uh, another mum actually said to me that she's uh, planning and doing more artwork and plans on doing it more, that that's one of the things she loves to do. And last on my list, because I made a list of all these things parents were telling me, is that one mum said she's um, going to do a lot more journaling. And I, su I suggested, oh, gosh, well, another mum said to me that she's not going to be listening to media of a night time, uh, only in the morning to get informed and then setting that aside. And uh, this other mum was, uh, um, was grateful for that. She said, perfect, I could do the same, but I could journal in the evenings, rather than listening listening into the media and getting scared, I'm going to journal about all the, all the things uh, that I've been meaning to write down for a long time. I was um, so pleased to hear so many parents uh, um, get onto this need for our own regulation and what will regulate us. 
It could be for you, it could be very different. For you, it could be getting baking, you know, uh, and doing, uh, if you love to do that, cooking, baking. It, any number of, of different things will work. And what's particularly a benefit um, for, for this is that when we do that, we calm our own nervous systems down. We, we, we really do in, on a body-based way, but also an emotional way. We calm things down, and that's going to become increasingly important uh, for our children. So it's not only really about them and the information that they're hearing. It's I, I feel as much, if not more, this is to do with what we can do with self-care, um, eating well, getting enough sleep, doing the things we enjoy to do that that n- nourish us, that will enable um, us to moor our emotional canoe right alongside our child's and say, I've got you, I'm with you, you're safe here, Um, you're okay here. In uh, next week's podcast, we'll be talking more about about, um, what to do (laughs) when our children uh, are going to be home, many of them are going to be home uh, a lot more. Okay. I sure hope this was helpful. Bye-bye now.